1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It is a Chamber of Commerce day out here. Stop by and say hello. I got to, really for the first time yesterday afternoon, I was telling Steve, Steve Scafidi this, I got to kind of take in the fair. My my wife and our one of our dear friends, Colleen, came out with me in the morning, and they went and enjoyed the part of the fair with a couple of other some other friends of ours while I was working. Then um, one of my two stepdaughters, Amy, and her husband, Chris, came out, and they brought along my, my grandkids. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you know I, I did not have kids. I've, I've now married into a family. It's, it's just absolutely great. And so I have um, a couple grandkids now, and um, I see uh, I've got Cash, and I've got Gracie on one side. And yesterday, um, Amy brought out her kids, and it's McKenna and Addison, and they are like 9 and 12 years old, and I got to enjoy the fair. So we wandered around the fair. Of course, you've got to go down to the Midway, and I was just telling Steve, Steve Scafidi this. One of the highlights, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this grandfather thing, I'm trying my best, and so we're, we're there playing the games, and they wanted a giant stuffed animal, so we sit down at that game where you shoot the water into the bullseye, and it raises up a bear, and you compete, compete with everybody, and the first person to get the bear to the top wins. I was that guy. First try, I ended up winning the giant stuffed animal. So I was, you know, I, I was the grandparent of the day just for that particular day. We enjoyed it. We took the sky glider, rode all around, went down the giant slide, went on the bumper cars, just enjoyed everything about the state fair. I've actually been very, very good about my, my diet. I, I think I get a little bit of credit for that. I, I had the, um, I had the, the ribeye steak sandwich down at the Cattleman's Place, and I had just one beer for the entire day, just ended up with one beer, some snacks from Saz's, and then uh, I did have the chocolate ice cream sundae from the Wisconsin Products Pavilion. But other than that, it was pretty good. I would have actually stayed. My wife is sort of like the Energizer Bunny, though. She's just got a ton of energy, but when she's ready to crash, she's ready to crash. So I was res. It's about 7.30 last night. I'm thinking, well, we can kind of find a couple bands to play, and I was kind of getting that look like I'm tired, I need to go home. So it was a lot of fun. But the State Fair is incredibly enjoyable. If you get a chance, come on out. Like I say, today the weather is absolutely perfect. Plenty of room out here for you. All right. Yesterday... Yesterday, a series of elections, primary elections across the country. Now, let's remember that in Wisconsin, the primary election day is next Tuesday, a week from yesterday. We always remind people that if you're going to vote in the primary, Wisconsin has what is called an open primary. You can choose to vote in the Republican primary or the Democrat primary, but you can't vote in both. So if you want to vote in the Republican primary to decide whether it's going to be Kevin Nicholson or Leah Vukmir, who advances to run against Tammy Baldwin in November, you can do that. You can be a Democrat and do that. You can be a socialist and do that. But then you can't vote in the Democratic primary, so you won't be able to vote for who you think should run against Scott Walker as the governor, for example. So you can decide, and you can go either way, but you can't flip-flop back and forth. Um, that's the important thing to know. Early voting is, of course, open, so if you can't get to the polls next Tuesday, you have a chance to do that now, and we encourage you to do it. In any event, there were a number of states that had their primary elections yesterday. Big takeaway, and look, here's one of the things. If you tune into my program, I'm going to tell you it like it is. I, I'm not one of these guys who's going to sugarcoat stuff. I'm not one of these guys who's going to pretend things aren't like they are. I'm going to call it like I see it. And, and here's one of the realities. Last night was not a good night for Republicans. There was a special election in Ohio. 
to fill a seat um, between and the election was between a Republican and a Democrat. The Democrat who was running was pretty much a nondescript sort of guy. This wasn't like one of the rising stars in the Democrat Party. On top of that, the district where you had this particular special election, overwhelmingly Republican overwhelmingly Republican. It's a district that Republicans should be winning by 20 or 30 points. Now, the good news is that the Republican won the seat, but he won the seat. Uh, there's still some outstanding provisional ballots, but he won the seat by less than one percentage point. So there potentially might even be a recount, depending on how they count the provisional ballots. It does appear by all stretch, intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, the Republicans held the election, held the seat. But it's not a seat that they should have held by one point. Now, you've got to be careful. Special elections are, are difficult. They're odd. Um, you have a weirder sort of turnout. It's tough to necessarily extrapolate the results of a special election in one congressional district and say what it's going to mean moving forward. But at the same time, this is another one of these examples where Republicans have held on, but they have held on to special election seats in districts that they should have won handily. And I do think it's a sign of of trouble. Uh, There's just no question this should have been a seat, especially given who the Democrat challenger was. This should have been a seat that was 60-40, and instead it was 50-49. That potentially is a sign of trouble. I don't know what Republicans do over the course of the next couple months to turn it around. I I think the message has to be it's the economy stupid, borrowing from Bill Clinton. Look at how well things are going and hit that in. But there's no question that there is something going on. People on the left are energized. The hatred for Donald Trump is generating people out to the polls, at least in these special elections, and it's causing people to vote against Republicans. I think that's what's happening. So Republicans have to figure out how to you know, deal with this because there is a Trump factor going on. How it's going to play out in November remains to be seen. But the results of this election in Ohio yesterday are not encouraging. And I know some people don't want to hear it, but that's just the reality. All right. When we come back, speaking of not encouraging, lots of crime on the streets of the city of Milwaukee. And the mayor has an interesting comment about it. We're going to discuss it in just a moment. It's 1215 Jeff Wagner, WT. TMJ. It's 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, not sure exactly. Yeah, not sure exactly what the special election means yesterday, but it, it's not necessarily good for Republicans, and that is just the reality. There is unquestionably a Trump factor that is going on, and if people, if you want to pretend that it's not there, you are sticking your head in the sand. There's a lot of good stuff that is going on in the economy, and there's a lot of stuff that I think Republicans have to run on, but you have to recognize that there is a schism in this country, and there's a lot of people who are just turned off to President Trump, and they're going to take that out on, candidly, on the um, electorate and on the Republicans who are running next uh, November. And I, I don't know how... I don't know how you overcome that. I think people like Scott Walker are going to be absolutely fine because, again, they've got track records to run on and things like that. But the bottom line is I think it has the potential, at least, to hurt a lot of Republican candidates. And that's, you know, that's what you want to pay attention to, and that's what you have to be concerned about. Okay, let's get started. There, 
summer is always a bad time for violence in urban areas. And you, you saw what happened in Chicago over the last weekend where you had dozens and dozens and dozens of people who were shot. Milwaukee having the same sort of situation, not to the level of Chicago, admittedly, but still a bad sort of situation. No question about it. So, all right, let's look at one of the horrible situations and the mayor's response to it. Now, there was a situation late Monday night, the Holton Bridge Swing Park. That's on North Water Street, and what it is is it's a bunch of essentially tire swings that are set up under a bridge. And it's it's a park, not a county park, but it's a city park. It's supposed to be closed like at 8 o'clock at night, but it's... That's not enforced with any degree of, of rigor. And so you have people that are hanging out there all the time. What happened was on Monday night, you had a confrontation between two groups um, in the Holton Bridge Swing Park. And apparently there's a fight that breaks out or an argument that breaks out, and people pull out guns and they start shooting with each at each other. 22-year-old man died at the scene. 17-year-old boy died a short time later at the hospital. One of the witnesses says he heard a series of five or six gunshots around 11 o'clock at night. Um, then they heard sirens. So, I mean, this is a situation where you've got people that are there. It is an argument. Argument breaks out, and the idiots start pulling out guns and shooting at each other. All right, you have another story from the other night. 9.30 p.m., a 40-year-old man shot in the 2600 block of North 5th Street. He had been involved in a quarrel that led to a shooting. Now, the truth of the matter is... You have a lot of bad guys nowadays who carry guns. There was a time where you would have these fights that would break out or the arguments would break out because somebody would insult somebody else's girlfriend or somebody has a cooler phone than somebody else, and you'd have arguments, and and maybe people would start swinging at each other, and somebody might end up in the emergency room, but, but now... Everybody's carrying around with everybody's carrying guns, and what happens is somebody gets upset, they pull out the gun, they shoot the other person. But but that's the bad guys that are doing this. Now it's interesting because Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett is is frustrated at the level of crime, and I I appreciate that. I would like to see the mayor call out judges who give out soft sentences that result in repeat criminals being out on the street. I would like to see the mayor use his bully pulpit to call out judges who are soft on gun crime. Why was this guy out on bail? Why was this guy only sentenced to three months in prison, and now he's out and he's a felon in a gun? Why did somebody who just got convicted of being a felon in possession of a gun only get a year or whatever? I would love to see Tom Barrett use his bully pulpit to call out judges to try to put pressure on the criminal justice system, but that's not the way he chooses to go. Now, I understand the mayor doesn't want to, mayor doesn't want to attend funerals. The mayor doesn't like to get these reports, but I do think it's interesting where the mayor chooses to put blame. All right, so after the latest series of killings, he comes out and he says, we have to do better as a city. All right? He says, the police can't do this alone. This is going to take all of us to make our city safer for our children to live and play in. Right, I'm with him so far. And then he goes on, though, to say that all three of the shootings Monday had something in common. All were fights and arguments that escalated to gun violence. And here's what he says. 
Whoever thinks having a gun is going to make it, that is, safety better, you're dead wrong. I see the police tape. I see the funerals. I see the broken hearts. This has got to stop. Whoever thinks having a gun is going to make safety better, you're dead wrong. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the, that's our call-in number, um, or 800-877-1620, which is our Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk and text line. All right, so the mayor is saying, if you think that carrying a firearm is going to make safety better, you're dead wrong. Hmm. I think the mayor is dead wrong on this. Now, I understand if you are somebody who is prone to violence, If you are somebody who is willing to use a firearm because you've gotten into an argument and this is the way you're going to settle it, if you are somebody who is not legally entitled to carry a firearm and you've got a gun, I agree that that person carrying the gun is not inclined to make it safer. However, law-abiding citizens carrying firearms is a product of the dangerousness that is out there in the streets and in the city. And I think if to the extent that we are worried about guns, my argument is let's worry about guns in the hands of people who should not have those guns, as opposed to saying, well, if you think carrying a gun is more inclined to make is safe, is the city safe? Well, I don't know if it's going to make the city safe, but I think it's more inclined to make you safe. The problem, once again, is not guns per se. The problem is guns in the hands of the wrong people. Guns in the hands of criminals. Guns in the hands of thugs. Guns in the hands of punks. Guns in the hands of people with the impulse control of fruit flies. Yes, that's the problem. But until we can figure out a way to get those people off the street, I I think from the perspective of a law-abiding citizen, that's why the law-abiding citizen feels it necessary to go out and get whatever permits they need to legally carry a firearm. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I think that hey, people with uh, carry, um, people carry should be able to carry guns and make things safer. Uh, these guys that are punks that are drawing guns for no reason at all, it, it's just got to end. And the only way to end it is, you know, cops have guns, so why shouldn't people at the legally responsible carry them have guns to protect themselves, too? Well, right. Now, if, if you're the type of person who, you know, you're in a public place and you get into a heated argument with somebody and you're going to settle that by pulling out a gun and shooting them, well, then, no, then then I agree. You are not contributing to public safety. You should not have a firearm. But, you know, somebody who is worried that, gee, I, I've been robbed three times and I'm sick of being carjacked or I'm afraid I'm going to be carjacked, so I have a permit and I have a gun under my seat in order to protect myself, that person person is not making the city less safe. He's making it safer. Uh, well, th- thanks for calling. At least it's making him safer. I mean, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk uh, and Text Line. Tim in Port Washington. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm, a, I'm a, just a firm believer in what the last caller said. I uh, work in Milwaukee, and I do have a concealed carry. I believe I feel safer with it. Um, and as Mayor Barrett said yesterday, which I did not agree, is that uh, if you don't feel safe, well, then you should not just go there. Well, that's yeah. not the case. There's a lot of times you have to go someplace 
and I feel safer if I have my weapon with me. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I, I remember the, the big brouhaha we had a, a few months ago where you had some of the workers who were working for, you know, one of the city of Milwaukee contractors, and, and they were in an area where arguably relatively high crime, and several of them had firearms with them to protect themselves um, when they're walking to their vehicles, to protect themselves because they've got expensive tools in there. And it was interesting because aldermen from the area were absolutely appalled at the idea that these workers would have firearms to protect themselves because they think it sends the wrong message. Well, okay, the, the message was it's unsafe. These people were there to protect themselves, but yet we were worried about the appearance of this. Why don't we deal with cleaning up the city so people don't need to feel like they have to carry firearms to protect themselves? That's exactly correct. And, you know, I, I even heard that the city of Milwaukee has their employees in some uh, working areas that have to wear bulletproof vests, but they will not allow them to carry a gun. Well, and thanks to I don't know about the bullet. I don't. No, thanks to I don't know about that. I mean, I do know that there. You know, there's all these instructions that they've sent out now about you know different things and make sure your cell phone is charged and look around to make sure you're not going to be a victim and all that stuff, which is all well and good. But at the same time, and I don't know about the the bulletproof vests one way or the other. But at the same time, I mean, maybe. You know, when you're putting people into these areas where there is a high risk or at least a large likely potential that you could be a crime victim, maybe you give them a chance to defend themselves. The good guys, the people who have the concealed carry permits, I'm not saying it never happens, but it is very, very rare that it's one of those people that is involved in one of these shootings. The problem is the bad guys have the guns. Good guys carrying guns do not make the community more unsafe, period. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a moment. It's 2 2 1229. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's 1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very delighted to have you with us. You know, I, I have an opportunity a, a lot of times to, to go out and talk to people outside the, the booth at the State Fair. I love broadcasting here. And one of the big things this year, is, I, I've noticed it more this year than in the past, is people say, well, we'd love to listen to the show, but, you know, we do it. We do it on the podcasts, which is, and, and I know a lot of people do it because I, I see the numbers every month. You can go, if, if, for example, you like the program, but there might be a day that you're not around, or you can only, I had a lady yesterday say, I, I, I only, until I found the podcast, I only got to listen to about 45 minutes of the show because that's when my lunch hour was, but I always wanted to hear what was coming up in the 1 o'clock or the 2 o'clock hours. She then I found the podcast. You can go to WTMJ.com, and if you just click on our mobile applications, you can subscribe to various podcasts, mine included and then every time they post one which is pretty much every day you can uh, you're notified it's up there and you can listen to it at your leisure we very very much appreciate it so check that out it's the podcast that's kind of the that's kind of the big thing nowadays and uh, more and more people are listening to it and and we love it um, anything we can do to figure out a way to bring the show to you that's it four more landowners who were suing Mount Pleasant have agreed to sell their property for the new Foxconn plant what does that mean going forward Gene Miller has the latest 721 tomorrow on wisconsin's morning news all right green bay packers are in training camp first preseason game is what tomorrow i believe as the team gets ready for the season interesting story in the journal sentinel that i i wanted to get your reaction to as a general rule i, I think most of us are reluctant 
to publicly call out our coworkers. We we, we just we just are. You know, maybe and, and I, this is a, it doesn't matter whether you're you know on the radio or it doesn't matter whether you're working for an insurance company or whatever. Most of us are kind of like if, if you've got a coworker who you know you they think the coworker's screwing up or whatever. You know, maybe you might mention it quietly to the boss, but you're you're not inclined to necessarily call out those people publicly and try to, I don't know, humiliate them or motivate them to do better or whatever. That, that's just, I think, generally how most people are. Well, interesting story with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so here's the deal. They're in, they're in training camp right now. And at the end of training camp, at the end of, like, practices, what they will do is they will run what they call the scout team. Now, the scout team is you take the first team defense and then you have the offense that pretends to be the team they're going to be playing against. Right? So, you know, they're, they're not the Green Bay Packers offense. If you're playing the Chicago Bears, all right, the Packers try to simulate the Bears offense. And what you do is you give the Packers defense a chance to practice against some of the plays that you think the other team might run. All right? Normally, the scout team, it's going to be the spuds. It's going to, the people, you're not going to have your first teamers pretending to be the Chicago Bears. You're going to use the, the guys that are third string. In training camp, you're using the guys that are third string. You're using the guys that are fighting to try to get onto the team. Devontae Adams isn't pretending to be a starting receiver for the Chicago Bears. It's somebody that's trying to get onto the team. So it's the, it's the scrubs. It's the spuds. One of the things that the Packers do in training camp is they have Aaron Rodgers come out, and Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in pro football, maybe the best quarterback ever in pro football, he comes out and he works with the scout team. Now, you might say, why would you have Aaron Rodgers, you know, playing with the scrubs? Well, the reason they do that is because they want to give the defense a chance to practice against the very best. They're figuring that, hey, you know, if if Aaron Rodgers is running these plays that the Bears or the Lions or whatever might run, and we can figure out a way to stop it, we can stop Aaron Rodgers, or making we can stop whoever the other team is. So Aaron Rodgers is running the scout team in practice. So how do you know what plays and all to run? Well, what they do before every play, the coaches come out and they show the wide receivers what what they're supposed to do. Okay, so they'll point to one guy and they'll say, Jeff, you do a square out. This is the play that you run. And they have like flashcards and they show them. So they make it, you, you don't you don't have to think, you don't have to remember what red right 360, you know, um, Hugo is. I mean, they, they draw it out on the diagram. This, Jeff, this is what you're supposed to do. You go down six yards, you take a hard right turn. <laughs> okay, that, 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 that that's it. So they, they tell them what they have to do. So they were apparently running a scout team practice yesterday. First team defense, Aaron Rodgers is with the Spuds. And apparently it did not go very well to the point that on the final play, um, Aaron Rodgers just apparently disgusted. This is according to the Journal Sentinel. He just takes a pass, and instead of trying to throw it to one of the, the guys, he just throws it towards the tackling dummies on the sidelines and just storms off. Because apparently the the guys the the scrubs were 
playing so poorly. Now, Aaron Rodgers, then they ask him what happened, and, and he, he goes public with this. He's like, look, here, here, here's the deal. He said it was one of the worst card sessions. That's what they were called. They called it like the cards, you know, where you say, here, Jeff, go out five feet, turn around, and I'll throw you the ball. It was one of the worst card sessions we've ever had. I don't know how you can make it any simpler. You literally have what the play would be in our terminology on the card, and the effort level was very low, especially with what I'm accustomed to. I've been running that period for a number of years, so it's not a good start for us on the card period, which is the scout team thing, for the younger guys. He, he then goes on, and they ask him to name names, and he says, look, let me, let me just tell you, you know, who I think is doing a good job, and he says, Geronimo Allison, and D'Angelo Yancey, and Jake Cumro. He said, everybody else, everybody else was kind of pee poor, except he doesn't say pee. He uses that particular word. So, I mean, he's out there calling out these people, the the scrubs, the, the spuds, the people who are fighting to get on the team, I assume the rookies and things like that, saying they just didn't didn't put out the effort that, you know, I, I think that we we need to have. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, all right here's my question. Do you think Aaron Rodgers goes too far in doing this? Is this the arrogance of an established quarterback to call out his coworkers and to say, look, these guys weren't doing the job they were supposed to do, and yeah, I'm frustrated, and there's a couple of them that are doing what they're supposed to do, but everybody else is doing an absolutely lousy job. Is that Rodgers' role, or is that a role better reserved for the coaches, or better, better, maybe better reserved for the locker room? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is that leadership, or does that take it too far? What do you think? I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. It's 1244. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. If you're on the line, please hold on. Gru is back at the station, lining up the calls as we speak. 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's game two for the Brewers and the Padres from Miller Park. Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre is behind the microphone. Our Brewers game day coverage starts tonight at 635. I'm at the Wisconsin State Fair. My, my buddy Evan and I were going to the game tonight. That one yesterday. Well, it's good that they play 162 games because I don't know. There's not enough. There's not enough ink in stink to describe how badly the Brewers played yesterday. That was just dreadful. And, and you know, you can't sugarcoat it. I, we, I was listening to the radio on the way home, and it was the Brewers start off well. They, they're playing San Diego, which is arguably the worst team in the, in the National League. They run up a 4 to nothing lead. Next thing I know, I, I turned off the radio. I get home. I was doing some other stuff. I get home. It's 5-5, to five, and then they go on to lose like 11-5. to five. It was just dreadful in all levels of the game. And um, hopefully, unfortunately, the Brewers... They're playing more and more of these dreadful games. Um, They'll have a string where they play pretty well, and then they just throw in a clunker, and hopefully they got that out of their system. But that was it was El Stinko yesterday, arguably one of the worst games they have played all year, and um, just nothing, nothing worked at all. But. Again, today's another day. There's still one game ahead of Atlanta in the first wild card position, two and a half games behind the Cubs, but they got to start playing better baseball. All right. 
another sport, 414-799-1620. Aaron Rodgers calls out a number of his teammates, particularly some of the rookies and the free agents, who apparently they, they were just not only lousy, they were lazy yesterday running these scout team plays. He says it just got to be better. Is that Aaron Rodgers' role? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Brian in Silver Lake. Hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Yeah, I played uh, four years of college football, and uh, now I'm in high school. I got to say, I love what I heard yesterday. After level football, the only way your starters are going to get better is if they're getting a good look at practice. And so even in high school, a small Division three school, I'm sorry, college, uh, our head coach would really get after the scout team, the younger guys, and say, if we don't get a good look, we're not going to win games on Saturday because our varsity squad or our number ones we're not going to get a good look. And so I love that Aaron got after him um, at practice and then also at uh, in the media session. It's going to do a good thing to lay a fire underneath their uh, behinds. And, now, now, you said, like now, Brian, the difference is you, you said it was a coach that did that. And I get it. This wasn't Mike McCarthy. This was Aaron Rodgers. Is that his role, in your opinion? I mean, he's the quarterback. He's not the coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, uh, you know, I, I said coach. But, I mean, even at practice, you have your, your upperclassmen at the time, or even on my high school team now, you have the upperclassmen who are getting after the young guys and kind of showing them the ropes and getting them going. And with that young class of wide receivers we have this year at the Packers, I think it's a great way for Aaron to kind of set that expectation of what's expected because we haven't had that in a long time uh, in the last few mm-hmm. years of the Packers. So I think it's a really good thing. Um, and, and Aaron's done it to mediocrity. I think that's great. No, thanks for call. I appreciate it. Uh, let me share a couple of texts with you, and then I'll give you some of my comments. Aaron Rodgers is a whiny baby diva who gets accepted because he can throw a football. Huh. Um, here's one. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's another one. Um, I think that he has the right to... I think that he has the right to do that. He's earned that. Um, here's another one. I don't think this is Aaron's call. He's a player. He can contribute to issues, but people who pay him uh, right, he, he should be high, take a higher road. Um, I here's what I was thinking of. You know, as a general rule, do I think it's right for somebody to call out their coworkers? No. That, typically, in most settings, that doesn't work. But you know, in this particular situation, number one, I, I think. Aaron Rodgers has earned that right. Aaron Rodgers is, number one, not only the leader of this team, but number two, um, he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks going, maybe one of the best quarterbacks ever. And I I think he recognizes, as so many people do, that the the window of opportunity, the window to win championships for the Green Bay Packers is is starting to close. Some people might not like to hear that, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting older. And the truth of the matter is we saw last year that you take out Aaron Rodgers from this team, and it's a very, very average team. That's just the reality. So I think there is this sense of urgency that's out there. You've got limited amount of practice time, and I think you have Aaron Rodgers, who has every right to expect that if he's going to if he's going to hold you know, himself to these high standards that he does, he expects other people to at least give the effort and perform. Alright, maybe not everybody's going to be the equivalent of an Aaron Rodgers, but he expects people to put in the effort. He expects people to run the routes. He expects people to put in the time. And I think that's what he's saying. And you know what? I think he's earned the right to say that. Sometimes you have 
and it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll talk about athletics, but it, it can be in any sort of workplace, whether it's a legal setting or, again, a, a typical office setting. You know, you'll have some of these loudmouths who come in, and they're people who, who think that they know how things should be run, and they're willing to tell everybody how to do their job, and that kind of gets frustrating. At the same time, though, you know, when you have people who have put in their dues, when you paid their dues, when you have people who have achieved a level of excellence over time, um, I think it's more than fair for those people, you know, if they want to say something, especially if they care about the bottom line, I, I think other people should listen because they've put in their time, they've earned their rights to, again, participate in that fashion. All right, David Racine says, do you think it would be fair for the wide receivers to call Rogers out when he makes bonehead plays? Well, I, again, I think you have to pick and choose, and it depends who the wide receiver is, but you have to understand who the leader of the team is and who's earned that right. And candidly, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think you know over the years, Aaron Rodgers, who does make mistakes as well, I mean, I've seen him pretty much own up to some of that stuff too, saying, okay, that was a bad throw, or I didn't see it or, or whatever. Yeah, it, it's fair all around, but if the practice is that bad, I, I think somebody's got to kick a bunch of people in the butts, and Rodgers is assuming a leadership role on the team, and I think that there's other players who've done that over the years, starting with Reggie White and moving on, and that's how you get a good team, which is what everybody wants. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live again from the Wisconsin State Fair. What can fans gain from preseason football games? Greg Matzik shares his What to Watch Guide to Exhibition Football as the Packers gear up for the preseason opener on Thursday evening. Get the details tonight on Sports Central Live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Greg does a great job. Tune in. It starts at 6.07. All right, predictable, but I, I think unfortunate. Here, here's a story. You may, you may remember we talked about this multiple times on the show, it was former Brown Deer police officer um, Devin Kramer. I don't know her personally, but I know a number of people who do know her, and everybody tells me that she is just a wonderful woman and a really good police officer. You may remember the name because she was the police officer, the Brown Deer police officer who shot the unarmed bus passenger in the back during a struggle back in March of 2016. You might remember this is March of 2016. She and another officer were flagged down by a bus driver because there was this guy arguing loudly and profanely about uh, bus transfers. When when they tried to get him off the bus, he resisted, wasn't going, started struggling with them. And this was this enormous guy. And he's resisting arrest. All of them fall to the ground as they're struggling. Kramer says that she was afraid that Burnley, this is the guy, was reaching for her gun. She pulled out her gun. She shot him between the shoulder blades without notice. You know, he was hospitalized for 12 days. She was charged in an incredibly poor charging decision by the district attorney's office, which in my opinion was based more on John Chisholm caving into politics than it was to law. She was charged, charged with a crime. Um, she said, look, I'm, I'm in this life or death struggle with this guy who's three times my size. I think he's reaching for my gun. Yeah, yeah, I grabbed my gun. I shot him once in the back. All right, so they had the trial. The trial ended with a hung jury as I 
gave you the numbers. I forget. Somebody told me what the numbers were. It was overwhelmingly not guilty. There might have been one or two jurors that were holding out for a guilty verdict, but it was overwhelmingly not guilty. She was never going to be convicted. It was a political prosecution, in my opinion. Well, what happens then is the district attorney finally says, I'm not going to throw good money after bad, and they decide she's not going to be retried. She has been on administrative leave since this shooting in March of 2016, and now I think because of all the politics involved, because of the profile this has gotten, um, the story is that she's now, she's resigned um, from the Brown Deer Police Department. Now, whether she's going to resume a career in law enforcement, I, I don't know, but I think she's made the decision that it's time for her to, to move on. It's in best interest. And and I get that. I'm certainly not criticizing that. Don't know, you know, what went on behind the scenes to lead to that. But it is unfortunate, and it does, again, demonstrate the problems you have in law enforcement. Here's this female police officer, she is suddenly one instant thrown into a life or death struggle with a guy um, who is much, much larger than her. She reacts to protect herself and her partner. She gets herself charged with a crime. That was a bogus prosecution. And then ultimately, now she's having to give give up her chosen career. I understand why it's happening, but it's unfortunate. Um, Devon Kramer has decided to resign. Again, I get it, but um, I, maybe some people are going to be happy about it, but not me. 1259 Jeff Wagner WTMJ we're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair it's 109 Jeff Wagner WTMJ broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair always a pleasure to be with you so during the break I'm out there and I'm talking to some listeners and um, it, it, there was a, a lady from Mosquito Jamie from Mosquito and she was saying listens every day and she was there with a couple of her, her daughters and they asked for a picture and I said well of course but of course nowadays when you pose for these pictures and it's always very flattering and all that it's always like huh are, are these Russian spies is this going to turn out like three or four years from now I, I'm going to I'm going to see this plaster on. Oh, he met with a Russian spy. So I, I'm saying to the little girls, I'm saying, you're not a Russian spy, are you? And they're saying, well, no, we're, we're not. So you, you just have to be careful nowadays, but you, you just you just never actually know. So come on out to the State Fair, say hi. I'm here until 3 o'clock today, and then I'll be back on Friday. Tomorrow there's an early Brewers game, and um, so uh, we're going to do a show, but just from the studio because it's only about a half hour long. But then I'll be back here Friday. I always loved the Wisconsin State Fair. This is my... 20th year of broadcasting for WTMJ from the State Fair. 20 years. Um, and that's uh, inclusive. Uh, actually, I think there's actually been 21 state fairs with inclusive counting. One year we decided not to come out here. It, it, that's the royal we. I was not involved in that decision. And then I think we quickly recognized that's um, not the best. And the coolest thing about the state fair is not only interacting with you if you come out and want to say hi, but it's also the fact that I get to hang out at the fair. And I was pointing this out earlier on. Uh, yesterday, my wife and uh, one of her daughters and son-in-law and a couple of the grandkids came out and we, we toured the fair and did it. And I'm very very proud of the fact that I was down at the Midway and I won a giant stuffed animal. First time trying, won a stuffed animal for the grandkids. So you know, Papa Jeff accomplished something. If you want to see a picture of me and the stuffed animal, if you and the grandkids and my wife, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, it's at uh, Jeff Wagner 620. Got a picture out there. It's a winner every time at the State Fair. All right, let us switch gears. Uh, at the end of the last hour, I, I was talking about how unfortunate I think it is that be, because of public pressure and publicity and all sorts of different things beyond the job, that this Brown Deer police officer, Devin Kramer, decided 
uh, it was best for her to step down and, and you know she resigned she was the one who was involved in this situation where she was fighting struggling for her life um, with a suspect who just decided to resist arrest rather than get off a bus and um, she ended up shooting him in the back he was not he was not killed it was not permanently injured but I mean she, she shot him because she was afraid for her life the district attorney's office in an incredible decision of it was more, more about politics than anything else decided to try her I told it I told you at the start of the trial there was no way they were going to ever get a conviction. They didn't get a conviction. It was a hung jury, and ultimately now, but she's she's left the force, and that's a that's a loss. At the same time, I'm not one of these guys who say that police officers are perfect, which brings to me the story that I want to discuss with you next. Happened Monday night in Cincinnati, Ohio. So here's the deal. It, Kroger. Uh, Kroger is is a big national brand. We matter of fact, we might talk about Kroger a little bit later on. Kroger bought Roundies, so Kroger owns. Kroger is the parent company for the pick and saves and the metro markets around here. So I mean, we they, we have a Kroger presence, even though it's not under the Kroger name. So anyhow, there's a Cincinnati, Ohio. And I think this is the suburbs of Cincinnati. There, they have a problem at a grocery store with shoplifting. So what they have is they, they've hired, they hire police officers, off-duty police officers, to to do security work from them. So here's what happens: they, they know they're being stolen blind. So they've got the police officers that are investigating this. So there is an off-duty police officer who's working security. At this supermarket, it happens about 9:30 p.m. Monday night. So this officer, again, he's an off-duty cop working security. He sees this girl. She's 11 years old. Now he doesn't know that at the time. So he sees this 11-year-old girl who's using a backpack to shoplift. So she's stealing a bunch of stuff from the store. He kind of catches her in the act. He approaches her, at which point in time she decides to run away. She's not She's not going to stop. She is going to run away. He starts to chase her, and then he yells, stop, 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 stop. She refuses to stop. She starts to run away. And then what he does is as she's beginning to run from him, he pulls out his taser. And he zaps her with the taser. And that makes her stop. So he deploys the sun gun. You know, he he zaps her. She then stops. The girl has been arrested, and the girl is charged with resisting arrest. Now, this is an 11-year-old, keep in mind. The girl is charged with resisting arrest and with shoplifting. She's taken to the hospital, and and she's checked out. But the, the thing is... She wasn't fighting with the officer. She was trying to run from him. And again, he's, he's off duty, so he's not in uniform. He's a security guy. She's trying to run from him, and he pulls out the taser, and he zaps her. Now, according to procedure, you can use tasers, apparently on, on somebody, anybody between the ages of 7 and 70. That's the Cincinnati Police Department procedure. Um, they say that the taser can be deployed on a suspect actively resisting arrest when there's probable cause to arrest the suspect or to defend oneself or another from active aggression. All right, this is an 11-year-old that he catches 
shoplifting who is trying to get away from him. At 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this in a couple of minutes, but your reaction to an off-duty police officer using a taser on an 11-year-old shoplifter in a store, appropriate or inappropriate? Now, the kid, number one, shouldn't have been shoplifting. And number two, once the kid was caught, the kid should have complied with the order. She should have stopped, and she should have allowed whatever was going to happen to happen. She didn't do any of that. She tried to run away from him, and he zapped her with the taser. 414-799-1620, appropriate or inappropriate, we will discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. Gru is lining up the calls. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Oh, got a nice crowd here at the Wisconsin State Fair. Let me see. I have, I have, oh, hang on. I, ha- I haven't done this all year. Let's try this out. Okay, go ahead. There, we got you. There you go. Say hi. There you go. Okay. There you go. See, now, we have to do that every once in a while because I don't want all the people listening to think that we're just making this up, that we're really broadcasting from the State Fair. No, we're we're really out here at the Wisconsin State Fair. Absolutely love it, and it is a gorgeous, just an absolutely gorgeous day out here. All right, if you're just tuning in, here's the story we're talking about. Happens Monday night. There's an off-duty police officer who's working security at this grocery store in a suburb of Cincinnati that apparently has had problems with shoplifting. He sees this girl, turns out that she's 11, and she's filling her backpack with stuff. She's stealing stuff from the store. He goes to confront her, tells her to stop. She turns, starts to run away from him. And then what he does is he pulls out his taser and he zaps her. She's 11 years old. Again, he doesn't know that at the time, but she's shoplifting. She's trying to run from him. He zaps her. Um Then she's taken into custody. She's charged with shoplifting that. She's taken to the hospital. She's not seriously injured. This is a huge controversy down in Cincinnati. Should should you be deploying 11-year-olds on children who are shoplifting? All right. Now, our text line is exploding. Debbie says she may never shoplift again. Another text. The officer should get a redo. He should be allowed to tase the mother. Jim says what he did is appropriate. She was told to stop. She ran. She resisted by running. You can't tell an 11-year-old from a 20-year-old some days nowadays. He did the right thing. 414-799-1620. All right, Diddy. Marsha in Mount Pleasant. Marsha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, I agree. Hi, Marcia. The Mount Pleasant did the correct thing. Okay, tell me why. Um, like they said, you cannot tell the 11 from the 20-year-old necessarily. Um, there are commands. I used to be taser trained that you shout, you know, stop, taser, taser, mm-hmm. taser. The, the child heard those commands, still continued not to stop. Um... It is only an instantaneous hurt if a shaman had to happen. I believe people should get in there and try to figure out whether this child is just an habitual thief or hungry. You know. Well, well, well let me ask you. No, I, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think? Do you think it's appropriate to use a taser 
on a child who is shoplifting. I mean, it, it wasn't like she was attacking the police officer. She was, she was stealing stuff and she was trying to run away. Is, is it appropriate to you, do you think in those cases, is it ever appropriate to use a taser on a child who is, it's a, who's a shoplifter, not, you know, not, not a violent criminal. She's not attacking the police officer. She doesn't have a gun. She stole a bunch of stuff and she's trying to run away. Do you have a problem with tasing somebody just for shoplifting? I do not. I've seen a lot of people hurt when they're trying to pursue shoplifters. Um, mm-hmm. I, if it's a policy of the store and the department, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you're always talking about all these kids stealing cars and how they keep getting put right. back out there and committing worse right. crime. Maybe the word gets out there. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, not a problem whatsoever. Um, maybe next time a criminal thinks about stealing stuff, uh, they're going to think twice about it because since we're hearing about this out here, I'm sure it's gone national by now. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah but Okay, but she's, a, she's 11 years old. Again, a, she, it's that. a kid. Well, no, but he knew it's a kid. I mean, okay, so maybe he thinks she's 14. Do you think it's appropriate to tase a would-be shoplifter who's trying to run away with stuff? Absolutely. Okay. Be- just because she's she's committed she's committing a crime, and so this is the way to try to make her stop running. Well, she's she's a criminal. It doesn't matter if it's a kid or not. She's a criminal. And how else are you going to stop prices from rising, you know, consumer theft and all this stuff like that? Stop it. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thanks for calling, Jason. I appreciate it. Interesting response. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, look, I... I, I don't have to tell anybody. I, I've, I've got. To, I'm not a soft on crime guy. All right. I'm the guy that says exactly like our, our first caller, Marsha, was saying. I'm the guy that says part of the problem is that we have you know people who commit crimes starting at young ages and are, are never held responsible for it, and they can keep committing crime after crime after crime. Having said that. I got to tell you, I am uncomfortable with deploying a taser on an 11-year-old who had stolen some stuff in a grocery store and was in the process of trying to run away. Now, I'm not justifying stealing stuff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, right, you, you pulled out a taser and you used it on, on a child. And, 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 and maybe, maybe she was 11 and she looked like she was 9. Maybe she was 11 and she looked like she was 14. She was definitely in the wrong. But... Tasing somebody is a pretty extreme response, I guess, I think, to shoplifting, and especially in a situation where you've got a child that's not posing a threat to you. It's not like she's attacking the officer. It's not like she's coming at him. 414-799-1620. Brenda in Hartford. Brenda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, Brenda. Am I going soft? I I, I hear an 11-year-old tased for shoplifting, and i I got to admit, I start scratching my head a little bit. No, I, I, I don't think your opinion is out of line. I, I tend to have the same opinion as you now. I have eight grandchildren. I'm 60 years old, and one of my best grandchildren, I'd say my best friend, rather, um, is a little is a 10-year-old. Now, she probably looks like she's about 14, but you're not going to have a 10-year-old that looks like she's 20. And in either case, if this child is in a grocery store and is filling her backpack, you know, it's, I, I guess it's like... You can pretty much, you don't have to use a taser on the kid. I mean, 
I, I just imagine my granddaughter, who's a really good kid, she would probably never do something like this, but, you know, she made a mistake. You have to taser the child. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. I just feel that was so wrong. Well, it's, I mean, thanks for the call. It's, it's certainly an extreme response. Okay, don't get all these texts. Like Bob says, yes, you're going soft. No, I'm, I'm really not. I, I just, see, here, here's the problem. I think that if you're a law enforcement officer, the, and in this case, it's an off-duty police officer. I mean, I, I think that, that the response you have has to be proportionate to the crime that is being committed and the circumstances that are there. You know, if, for example, you had somebody that was struggling with the police officer, or in this case, it's an off-duty police officer, and, and you're talking about the need to defend yourself, well, I, I get that, of course. I mean, and I don't care if it's an 11-year-old or if it's a 25-year-old. I don't care. But but this wasn't that case. This was, okay, the kid is trying to run away from the, the police officer. Was the kid in the wrong? Absolutely. But does that justify... Again, using what I think is a, a pretty significant measure, which is going out and, and zapping them. 414-799-1620. All right, let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Um, Good. What do you think? I, I think it was appropriate. I mean, personally, Okay. It, it, the reason being is, number one, they didn't know he was 11, or she was 11. Number, you know, that, that, right. And nowadays... You know, kids that are 11 carry guns, you know, and they knew what they were doing. They, she knew what she was doing was wrong, and she's running. Yes. And there's a good chance right. she'll probably never do it again. And you know what? She's not going to get shot, to be honest. Well, I'm going to be, you know, but, well, okay, maybe, well, thanks for calling. Well, wait a we, 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 Right. No, well, thanks for calling. We, we have to put this in perspective. You, you would not be able to use deadly force. I mean, okay, real-life law enforcement is not like the movies where you have the person that's running away and the police officer tries to shoot them in the back. That, that's you're, you're only allowed to use deadly force if you're presented with a, a, a threat of deadly force, all right? If somebody's attacking you, this, this wasn't the case. You had a kid, and, again, I don't know what the kid looked like. I don't know how young she looked. But she's running away. Okay, she's trying to get away, and he decided not to chase her. He decided that he was going to try to zap her. I guess it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. The Cincinnati Police Department is saying, well, we're going to conduct a thorough investigation of it. I'll be curious as to what the investigation finds. I just... I have some hesitation, and maybe I'm, I know I'm not going soft in this. I just, I think that the use of force has to be appropriate to the particular crime, and pulling out and tasing a child, an 11-year-old, because she was stealing stuff from the store, strikes me as one of these types of reactions that might, might, might have been overkill. It's 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's game two for the Brewers and the Padres from Miller Park. Hopefully a better result from yesterday's stinker. Mr. Baseball, Bob Uecker is behind the microphone. I'm going out to the game. Our Brewers game day coverage starts this evening. Tune in at 6.35. All right. I'm going to tell you a story, something that happened to me the other day that kind of leads into where we're, we're going with this this next topic. I I have... I actually, it's a long story, but I have two iPhones. I have two smartphones. I have an iPhone 5 that I've had for several years. It's one of the smaller ones. Okay. I like it. It is the one I use. I also have a second, like a backup one. I have like an iPhone 8. It's bigger. It's thinner. 
I, I don't really use it, though, and it's why I have two. It's a long story, but I have two. But the one I use, the one I like, is my phone that is at least five years old that fits handily in my front pocket that I'm holding right now. So last weekend, I was telling the story. I was down in Canton, Ohio, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the induction thing, and I'm I'm on the field. You know, well, we were we were on the field. We had f- field level things, and I, I'm looking and. The, the battery on my iPhone 5 has gone completely haywire. It is, it is discharging, and it's just, I, I'm watching it drain a drain of juice to the point that it's got no juice in it. And now this, it wouldn't necessarily be a problem, except I am worried about my wife, who's back here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she works, she works evenings, and so I know she's going to be getting off work about 11 o'clock at night, and she's going to be trying to call me to say, hey, I'm getting off work, how are you? And she's not going to be able to get in touch with me. So you might say, well, Jeff, the easy thing is you're there with a couple friends, why don't you just borrow one of their phones and call her and tell her you're okay and that your phone is discharged, which would have been fine, except... This is in the category of, you know, she, she apparently married a moron because I don't know her cell phone number. I, I, I just, you know, I, we don't have a landline. We have cell phones. And I don't know. I, met, I understand that sounds stupid, but I don't know what her cell phone number is. I mean, it's, it's in my phone, you know, and I just hit the button that says, you know, wife. Just like I, I don't know my brother's cell phone. I don't know my closest friend's cell phone. It's just I've gotten away, I've gotten away from knowing numbers. I, I used to know people's phone numbers. I just don't know them, and I don't have them written down anymore. So now I'm in this situation where I, I can't, I also can't access them because the cell phone is completely and totally dead. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this great. She's going to think I'm dead on the highway or something. I'm kind of worried about that. So, I mean, what ultimately happened is I we got back to the hotel, and I was able to plug the thing in, and, and finally the battery kind of you know, restarted, um, and so I was able to use it, but it, it, it was essentially dead. When, whenever, if you'd unplug it, it would immediately discharge or discharge really fast, so the battery was bad. So now I, I'm confronted with this situation. I have this phone that I absolutely love, but the battery has gone bad. So is this now, and this is the process I was going through a couple of days ago, is this the is this the moment where I kind of say, okay, I love old paint here. It's been a great cell phone. Uh, but it's time to kind of retire it and just move on to the one that I have sitting on my desk up in my office and just, you know, I, I've got to change the phone number. I, I could work all that stuff out. But, I mean, is this the time to do it? But at the other hand, I like the old cell phone. I, I, I like this. It fits in my pocket. I am comfortable with it. It's still, it is new enough that it runs all the different apps that are out there. I don't notice it particularly being slow. It is fine for the needs that I have. So... I admit I'm going through this thought process and I'm trying to figure out, well, I gotta get a new battery and it turns out I ended up taking it to Batteries Plus and for 40 bucks, they gave me a new iPhone battery that fits this one and it works fine and it, it's, so I, I made the decision that, okay, I was gonna spend the $40, I was gonna put the new battery in it, now it appears to be, knock on wood, just as good as new. Now I was thinking about this because there is a story, um, in USA Today about upgrading iPhones. I am apparently a dinosaur in my adherence to keeping this old iPhone 5. I'm a dinosaur because um, apparently this this is talking about how the vast majority of people on on a yearly basis upgrade their, their iPhones. Let me just share a portion of the story with you. Again, the headline is, are you ready to upgrade your iPhone? 
iPhone users are accustomed to the fall release ritual of the newest version of Apple's popular smartphone, and the approaching announcement brings up the yearly questions. What are the new features? Should I upgrade? Apple hasn't made an official statement on the new release, but historically the company releases new iPhones every September. Whether it's due to a weak battery or limited storage space, iPhone users are wondering whether it's time to chuck the old phone and start fresh. There's also some incentive from cell phone companies to upgrade, and there's always the possibility Apple will announce new must-have features on the new iPhone. And then it goes on to talk about how, you know, many people just, they they want the newest, they want the the best thing, they want to get their hands on the newest version of the iPhone possible, and they don't care what the thing ends up costing. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am so far in, in the opposite direction to the point that, like I say, my iPhone is having a meltdown last Saturday night in Canton, Ohio, and I go to the point of, even though I've got a newer one that's sitting on my desk, I go to the point of, you know, I like this phone, it fits in my pocket, it does everything I need to do, I know this phone, it's kind of like family to me, I go to the point of saying, all right, even though it's a several-year-old phone, I'm going to find somebody to replace the darn battery that's malfunctioning, and I'm going to pay them 40 bucks to do it. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my question. My name is Jeff, and I love my old phone, and I don't want to change. Are you with me, or are you one of these, again, the people that just every year or every other year and a half, you've got to have the newest, you've got to have the best things. Is it silly to try to make do with old paint, because that's exactly what I ended up doing. I put the new battery in, and like I say, I think it's working fine, and if I can make it work for another year or two, I will be thrilled. I don't need the newest iPhone out there, and candidly, I don't even need the second or third newest iPhone. I like what I've got. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you confronted this issue and how do you handle it, do you have to be the one that has the latest? you have to be that early adopter? I didn't get that gene. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is in the studio lining up the calls. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 144. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we've touched a nerve with this. Let's see, Darren says, Ever since I switched to iPhones, I haven't felt the desire to have the newest phone. The only reason I've upgraded was for increased um, memory. Justin says, um, let's see, all iPhones suffer this from time over time, you know, and, and he goes on to say that, uh, you know, your speed could be restricted. And, and that might be. I'm just saying what I've got right now works just fine. Here's another note. Texting you on my five-year-old flip phone right now, just put a new battery in, and last month I love not being able to get sucked into technology on a smartphone. Steve says, I love the size of the phone. The new ones are all too big. They don't fit into your pocket. All right, 414-799. He says, I have the same iPhone that you have, and that's what I'm texting you on. Chris in uh, Coloma. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. Okay, I, I refuse to upgrade to the newer phone, even though I even have one. I love my iPhone 5. Well, you know, the thing is you go to the uh, phone dealer and they uh, more or less tell you you have to update because now you can't update your phone because it doesn't have enough memory. So it's almost yeah. like you're stuck. You're stuck with this phone and um, they you've got no choice but to upgrade it. But I'm, you know, kind of delete information and kind of keep going here. 
Yeah, well, I just, I mean, again, I, it's a long story why I have a second phone, but I, but I, I do have an iPhone 8. It's just I don't like it as well, and, you know, I, I'm just comfortable with this one. So far, I haven't had a memory problem. It does all the different things that I need to do, and, and yeah, it was worth 40 bucks to me just to get a new battery so I can at least get some more time out of it. I, I don't feel like I have to have the newest thing. Nope, I agree with you. I had, they're just saying, yeah. making you pay a thousand dollars for a new phone that you don't really need. Um, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. Now, there, there are limitations. For example, for my birthday, my wife got me one of those smart watches that you kind of sync up to the phone, and it tells you all sorts of things. And, and actually, you, you can once you get it set, you can, you can actually answer your phone on it. It was really a cool thing. Well, unfortunately, it, it doesn't work with the iPhone 5 um, because I don't, the iPhone 5 doesn't have the bells and whistles you need. And so I, I said, well, I'm just, we ended up taking back the watch. I said, I love the birthday gift. I really, really do, and I appreciate it, and you spent all this money on it, but I'm not ready to give up the phone yet. And so, you know, we, we ended up taking it back. 414-799-1620. Christina in Hartford. Christina, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I Hi, Christina. I think you're brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. My phone is three years old, and it started having some problems, and so I called um, the check support and she told me to run it in a certain mode to figure out if it was the phone or if it was the app and it's just the app and then you have to go through and figure it out facebook messenger which one it is that lags your phone down right and and so you're you were able to figure this out and you were just now everything's as good as new and you don't need to get the new one right and what i don't understand is if you walked up to somebody and said i could save you 500 bucks every year they would want to hear what you're talking about. Well, that's a phone every year. That's a phone <laughs> ticket somewhere. I mean, come on. Well, well, right, and and I mean, most of the bells and whistles, like I say, the my, I, I have the iPhone eight. I just don't use it. And, and yes, it's got more memory, and I can put more music on it and things like that. But otherwise, for the stuff I use a phone for, which is to send text messages, check my email, maybe occasionally surf the internet to try to settle some argument I'm having in a bar over what happened. It, it's just absolutely perfect for me. You know, I I don't need more. And and maybe maybe someday it'll become completely and totally useless, but at least for the moment, I like it, and I was willing to spend 40 bucks to get the new battery for it. Absolutely, and you're being environmentally sound by hanging on to it as well. And that's, I, and if I, Christina, if I am nothing, I am environmentally sound. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. That's, that's, well, I mean, it is a story. So, like, there are people out there that are b- waiting with bated breath for Apple to release whatever the, the new phone is going to be. And, and that's fine. And I look, I, I understand, believe me, I, I understand that sometimes there are advances in technology. I mean, I've told this story before. I what last 2017? I got in spring of 2017. I got got a new car, and I I had developed gadget envy because many 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 of my friends had all the, the had all the new bells and whistles on the cars. You know the, uh, the the screen that the backup camera screen and the 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 warnings and all these type of things. And and I if I said I don't need it, I don't need it, I don't need it. Now that I have it, I absolutely love it. I, I can't see. Going back, and maybe it's that way with some of this technology that's out there. Just haven't been quite convinced of it. Jackie in Germantown. Jackie, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. So I have a 12 year old son who is starting middle school in the fall, and he's in he's in orchestra and he's in basketball and he's in a number of different activities. So I wanted him to have a phone just in case I'm running late or he's running late or what sure. we can text each other. Um, it was cheaper 
for me to give him my iPhone 7 and for me to upgrade to a 10 than to give him, the, like, get him a flip phone, what I, which I, like, originally planned on doing. I, I don't want to give my kid an iPhone. He doesn't need the Internet during school to cheat or something. Right. <laughs> right. Not that I think he would, but, he, you know, the temptation's there with that. And that, that wasn't my original intention, but it was hundreds of dollars more because the technology right. is older. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and all you really have, so you give him your new phone, you just like add that line to your plan or something, you get your new one, and then you're off to the races, huh? Off to the races. And I'm, I'm getting used to this one. And it's okay. It's, but I, I never, what, what 12 year old needs an iPhone? I was excited about markers when I was his age. <laughs> yeah. We got crayons every year from the beginning of school. You get to go buy that 64 thing pack of crayons or whatever. Exactly. You put the sharpener in the back. You were fancy. Okay, Jackie, you do realize we are sounding like dinosaurs here. You do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're we're together in the tar pit. That's so that's okay. Thank, thanks for the call. We're at least we're at least there together. I again it's it was it was kind of this interesting thing and I I'm just gonna get a ton of, of people people wrestle with this all the time. Uh, here's Donna. I keep getting mailings from my cell phone provider telling me I'm ready for an upgrade for my phone. I ignore them because my phone is working fine. I have other things I would rather spend my money on than pay for a new phone. I really that I really end up not needing. Um, let's see. Uh, I recently upgraded my iPhone 5 to an iPhone SE because, like you, I prefer the smaller phone. Keep in mind, if you ever decide to upgrade, it's just like the 5, but better, like Touch ID, and it's cheaper, too. Um, Jeff, this is dinosaur in the tar pits, as my grandkids call me. If you're happy, good for you. This is sent from a flip phone, Lynn and Adele. Yeah, my, um, my brother-in-law, Dave. Shout out to Dave. Dave... Dave has a flip phone that he proudly ends up displaying. Uh, let's see. Jeff, I'm texting you from my new Android phone that I bought last month. Um, my previous phone I, I had forever, but then it ended up dying. Yeah, at, at some point in time, I'm going to retire the iPhone, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And I, was, I, was, I wasn't even sure you could replace the batteries on these things, but Batteries Plus took care of it. I go into the store, and the guy says, yeah, we, we've got them in stock, and it's 40 bucks, and, and we'll replace it for 40 bucks, but it's going to take about 45 minutes. And I said, well, can I do it? And he just, I think, appropriately looked at me and said, we'll replace it, you know, for $40. It's all included. And that was the kind of message of, do you want this thing done right or do you want to be struggling for the next three days? It's okay. I'll, I'll, you, you go ahead and do it. I'll come back in 45 minutes. It is 154. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Please stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Four more landowners who are suing Mount Pleasant have agreed to sell their property for the new Foxconn plant. What does that mean going forward? Gene Miller has the latest 721 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. All right, in the third hour of the program, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, Governor Walker was on with Steve Scafidi earlier today. We, we actually, and as he was leaving, we got a chance to have a brief conversation. I want to talk about this hit piece that is in the journal sentinel today about scott walker says he sees no value in seeing in visiting state prisons um all right yeah we're going to talk about the democrats who are running to replace him and their plan to reduce the prison population in half in four years what does that mean and would you vote for anybody who is going to be i don't know not sending violent criminals to prison and releasing dangerous people as a matter of course we're going to be talking about the latest example of supermarket wars and 
If you think there's no such thing as a free lunch, you'll be exactly right if one community across this country gets its way. It's a classic story of government overreach. Maybe. We'll discuss. Stick around. That's all coming up. It's 159. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the 2018 Wisconsin State Fair. It's 207. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. So glad to have you with us. All right. If you if you have listened to me at all over the last 20 years that I've been on the air, one of my recurrent themes is the fact that we, if we want to get a handle on crime, what we have to do is recognize that as a starting point, look, I'm not smart enough to figure out you know, what it is that motivates somebody to stick a gun in somebody's face and steal their car. I, I'm not. And, and I'm, I'm all in favor of trying to figure out ways to discourage people from doing that. But once you make the decision to commit a crime, I think there needs to be accountability. And we do story after story after story about people who fit into that category of what the Milwaukee police chief describes as the 10 percenters. The 10 percent of the criminals who are out there committing the vast majority of crimes. And, of course, the question that we always ask is, why the heck was this person out on the street? Why was somebody with this record in a position to assassinate a police officer? Why was somebody with this criminal record in a position to, I don't know, stick a gun in some lady's face and steal her car? And and, and there's never a good enough answer. The truth of the matter is, we don't send enough people to prison for a long enough period of time. And that's because we have some squishy politicians and some squishy judges who are worried about the buzzword nowadays, it's mass incarceration. Well, we don't, you know, we don't want to lock up a generation of people, to which my response is, why the heck not? I mean, if, if people are committing crimes that are putting other people's lives in danger, why, why not lock them up? I mean, isn't that what the responsibility is? The problem is we give people too many chances. We don't hold them accountable. And that is why, as we move into this governor's race, one of the most irresponsible, strikingly out-of-touch and, frankly, dangerous proposals is being floated by a number of these far-left-wing Democratic candidates. And it, in of itself, is a voting issue that I think decides the election. Right now, in the Wisconsin state prisons, there, let me see, I've I've got the exact, or at least I've got the approximate number right here, there are... Somewhere around 23,600 adult inmates in the Wisconsin state prisons. Okay, 23,600. It costs a fortune to house them. There's no question about that. All right, there is this myth, and it is a myth. It's not thought to be a myth. It's a myth. There is a myth that of that 23,600 people, a large number are there because they got caught smoking a joint, you know, out, out behind a bar somewhere. That is just a lie. It's, it's not true. The reality is you need to work to get yourself put into prison. The vast majority of people who are in prison are in prison because they have either committed crimes of violence or they are repeat criminals for whom alternative sanctions have been tried and tried and tried and never worked, or in some cases both. 
people who have committed violent crimes who also have criminal records as long as you're armed. That is the vast majority of people that are in prisons. Um, there's only one out of ten, only 10% of the people who are in state prisons are in there for solely for drug offenses. And that's not marijuana. That's dealing cocaine. That's dealing heroin. That's that's all sorts of stuff. But the number of people who are in solely for drug offenses is, is only 10%. That is the reality of this. And how many times on this program do we talk about situations where you have you have murders, you have assaults committed by people who are on parole or probation or felons in possession of guns. Okay, so into this wades the people who would be governor. And they under, understand they're trying to appeal to a certain constituency. It's sort of that anti-police constituency. It's that, well, you know, we spend too much on prisons and, and we shouldn't be locking people up. Well, okay, easy to say, except they're people who deserve to be locked up. One of the people running for governor, she says she is promising, and by the way, other people are making the same promise, to reduce the Wisconsin prison population, cut it in half in four years, which means essentially taking us from 24,000 prisoners to 12,000. All right, Kelder Royce, who is the Uber left-wing former state representative out of Madison says she would do this by giving more paroles. Oh, good. Just what we need. More dangerous people released on parole to rob banks and steal from you. Releasing ill and aging inmates. Expanding diversion programs. A diversion program is we're not going to send you to prison. We're going to put you on that double secret probation. And alternate alternatives to incarceration. Okay. So she's going to reduce it in half. All right. Now, Let's think about that. The vast majority of people who are in prison are in prison for either crimes of violence or because they have committed lots and lots and lots of offenses. You take it from 24,000 to 12,000, which means you cut the prison population in half, which means that you're going to be releasing a lot of people who should be in prison. On top of that, to get to that number, it assumes that you're not going to be putting anybody else in prison. So the guy that murders the police officer, well, all right, what are you going to do with him? Because if you put him in, then you have to even release another prisoner. I think, now I understand politics also often brings about silliness, flat out silliness. At the same time, sometimes there are people who come out with these proposals, which are so flat-out stupid that they indicate a a, just a stunning lack of awareness for the real world. But let us tee this up. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you support a candidate or candidates who are running on a platform of essentially emptying out the Wisconsin State Prison and making it much more difficult to send more criminals into prison, because that's what is being talked about seriously by a number of the people who are running against Governor Walker. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you want to see the Wisconsin prison population reduced in half over four years, which you can only accomplish by releasing people who... Many, 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 many people who belong in prison and essentially sending almost nobody new to prison in the future. 414-799-1620. Candidly, I think this is exactly the wrong way to go. As somebody who cares about public safety, who cares about our crime in our community, my argument is there's not too few people, there's not too many people in prison. The reality is there's too few people 
in prison. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a minute. It's 2.15. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, I, I, I understand that there are things that reasonable people can disagree about, and, and I, I, I appreciate that. The, the, these proposals that a number of the people who want to replace Scott Walker are running around circulating saying, we're going to clean out the prisons. we got too many people in prisons. It costs too much. And so what we're going to, our answer is we're going, to, we're going to get rid of half of the prison population in four years. Okay, which means essentially you're going to be releasing thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have committed crimes of violence or are repeat criminals. You're going to be releasing them onto the streets early, and you're going to be essentially putting nobody new in there. It's just, it is stunning to me. And again, my answer is... I, I, look, I wish people didn't commit crimes. I, I wish people didn't stick guns in other people's faces and steal their car or whatever. But when you do that, you gotta go to prison. I, you know, if you commit the crime, you gotta do the time. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dennis in Wapaka. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't want to release people from prison that should be there. That is not my question. And I am driving, but I looked it up not too long ago. And we're about the same size as Minnesota, and we're incarcerating, Mm -hmm. I think, about three times as many people. And on a per capita basis, five times as many as England and 13 times as many as Switzerland. I am not for releasing prisoners, but what are we doing? What's going on? Well, okay, let me ask you this. Why do you think we have more people going to prison in Wisconsin than, say, in Minneapolis, in Minnesota? I, my guess is they're probably lenient, more lenient, and I am not for I'm not. Uh, no, no, I understand. That. That's not what I'm saying. Is I'm saying, do they have far less aggravated assaults than we do? Do they have? I mean, why? What's going on? In my, uh, you know, the thanks to call Dennis. I, I, yeah, the answer is yes. I, I mean, there, we have. Crime is out of control in the city of Milwaukee. That, that's that Milwaukee has a disproportionate contribution to the prison population in the state that that is just the reality and it's not it is not unique to Milwaukee I mean look what happened in Chicago over the weekend last weekend where you had like all the, those those violence all those crimes of violence Minnesota is different from Wisconsin and Minneapolis is different than Milwaukee and I and you could figure out why it is I, I don't know and there's all sorts of theories and, and don't get me wrong I'm not one of these guys who's anti trying to figure out root causes or, or whatever but you do have a different dynamic in Wisconsin. It's not that we have judges that are sending more people. It's that, yeah, you, you have, maybe it's because Minnesota is more of a rural state or things like that. If you would look at the numbers, for example, comparing Illinois to Wisconsin, I think you'd see that they're probably more similar. Uh, there, there, there's a similarity that's there. But, yeah, you, you have, we have urban areas that are just completely, totally crime-infested. I don't want to say it's like Escape from New York, but you have Crime has gotten out of control in the urban areas. It's Milwaukee drives crime in the state. So what is the answer then? I mean, is the answer, okay, well, we're going to take the guy that executed the police officer and we're not going to send him to prison? Well, of course not. Are we going to take the guy with the lengthy criminal record who's been in and out of prisons and only done six months here and a year there and is now out who's, like, shooting up Sherman Park? Are we going to set that person out? Well, the answer is no. Of course not. And that's... 
I guess there's two issues, and I always start this off by saying I'm not smart enough to, to figure out the social engineering as to why it is that motivates people to take a gun and stick them in a 65 year old woman's face and steal her car. I, I, I don't, I don't know, and it's and it's all and it's all it's all those social issues. It's okay. Is it lack of employment opportunities? Is it the lack of a two parent family? Is it you know? Is it gangs? Whatever. And if the answer is, it's probably all of that stuff. And I have no problem with trying to develop. Figuring out how to keep people in school. Look, it's it's not tough to figure out how to avoid a life of crime. I mean, you know, we they are, and some people don't like to hear it, but you know, you stay in school, you stay away from gangs. All those different types of things give you a greater chance for success. You keep away from drugs. If but if you you don't do any of those things, chances are greater that you're going to turn up for a life of crime. I'm all in favor of these prevention type of things to try to keep people away from making these criminal choices. I, I am. But that's a different conversation. Once you make that choice to be a criminal, once you steal the 20 cars, once you stick the gun in somebody's face and take money from them, at that point in time, I say don't pass go, don't collect 200 bucks. you got to go to prison. You, you We have to protect society from the behavior you are engaging in. Now, again, if social engineers can figure out how to stop somebody from wanting to stick a gun in somebody's face in the first place, God bless them. I, I'm all in favor of that. I'm just saying that once you get to that point of being the career criminal or being the violent criminal, yeah, you, you go to prison. <laughs> no question about it. Let's talk to Tony on the Northwest Side. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How was the fair? Hi, Tony. I love the fair. <laughs> I love hey, the Jeff. fair. Don't, don't, I've been eating my way around the fair for the better part of a week now. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm several hundred dollars lighter and about fifteen pounds heavier. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. You're, you're helping the economy, Jeff. No I would, kidding. I would adopt the three strike rule. I would build more prisons, and for the young offenders, send them to boot camp. Um, I, thanks for calling. I, I mean, I, look, I, I, I agree. I mean, this idea, the, the problem is we're, we're raising generations of, of criminals. Not everybody, but, but that's just kind of the reality. I, I, I think that this idea, that the juvenile court system, to me, needs to be completely and totally overhauled. It's not working because we don't have accountability at all. You have people that commit progressively more serious offenses. You start off with some minor type of thing, shoplifting, and then that shoplifting graduates into theft and it graduates then into burglary and car theft or whatever. And all along the ways, we're saying, okay, well, this is a 15-year-old. You know, it's we, we don't want to come down on too hard. We, on, we want to just worry about rehabilitation. But all you're doing is just generating younger thugs because what we're saying is we're not going to hold you accountable. Look, I, I just, the idea of, a li- reducing, cutting the prison population in half in four years is, is, you cannot do that without making our communities significantly more dangerous. And, and one of the things, again, that drives me crazy is these, these bumper sticker type of things. Well, if we legalized marijuana, you know, that, that would do, we could just release the, the drug offenders. Okay. Well, th- what does that mean? The, the guy that's been distributing the crack cocaine, the guy that's, pun- that's pushing the heroin, the person that's part of the, the conspiracy to distribute, you know, Pounds and pounds of heroin. That's the person that you want to put back on the street. Well, not in my community, thank you. This is going to be a huge issue in the upcoming debate. And if if you want to understand one of the differences between Scott Walker and whoever challenges him, this I think will underscore that. All right, when we come back, are your food prices about to get substantially cheaper? And will it make a difference to you? Stick around. It's two twenty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Update on a story we talked about not that long ago. Um, Foxconn. And you know, Foxconn is going to be an issue in the campaign as well. Again, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that people would be running against creating 13,000 jobs, but there are some people who are going to be running about that. In any event, the, the construction of the Foxconn project is underway. I told this story the other day. It, you want to talk about what an economic boom this has been to the whole state. I was in, yes, I was in a bar the other night, and I was talking to a guy who's from the northwestern part of the state, and he's essentially was an underemployed or unemployed steel worker, iron worker, and he, he's down here with a couple of his buddies. They're they're working in Mount Pleasant. They're working doing the construction thing. And he said it's going to be this long term service sort of thing. But you know he he's got work that he didn't have. So for people who say, well, Foxconn doesn't have any impact, you know, in other parts of the state, you're you're missing the boat because not only is this going to be an economic engine that I think fuels Wisconsin, but right now you've got workers that are coming from all over the state to help build this. And so in in any event, Foxconn is going to happen. They have most, if not all, of the land they need for it to happen, Uh, but there's a couple small landowners. Now, small landowners who have been holding out, They, they they didn't want to sell because they wanted more money. That that's the bottom line. They, it's it's not really like oh I just want to live in this house for all of my life. It was you know we we want more money, and they ended up losing in the local court because they said okay Foxconn's going to be able to take this through eminent domain. Seven of these families filed a lawsuit. Four challenges on appeal. Four have settled. And so this, as a practical matter, you know, this is the fat lady is sung. This this is all over. But the people who settled were offered 1.4 times the value of their property. Their beef was that some of the people, the farmers, for example, at the vacant farmland, they got more over the fair market value than the 1.4, the the 1.4 number, which, which is all well and good. But I guess I, I look at this, and I, I'm not too sympathetic. I mean, look, here, here's the deal. If somebody comes in and says to you, all right, there's this big construction project that is going up. It's going to change the character. Everybody else is selling, and you know, you're going to have to leave because you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to have this property that abuts on this anyways. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you not only what your place is worth, but we're going to pay you, you know, 40% more, you know, 1.4 times what the property is worth. If you're, Holding out under those circumstances, you're just flat out greedy, and and that's that's what, in my opinion, this litigation was all about. It, it wasn't about that the people want to sell. Now they they were going to be leaving. It was just simply that. Well, we think we should be entitled to more than 140 percent of the value of our property, which to me it, it always goes back to that that thing you learn about economics and the stock market early on. Bulls make money, meaning when it's a bull market. When profits are going up, people make money. Bears make money, which means that, you know, even in a bear market, a down market, if you do things right, you, you can make some money. Bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. And I, I think sometimes people just get greedy. I think 140% of fair market value was more than a fair offer, and I'm glad to see that now almost everybody has taken it. There's a couple families that are still holding on. I, you know, I don't. So what happens if Foxconn pulls the offer? What happens if Mount Pleasant says, okay, you know what? Tell you what, we're not going to take your property. 
property. Fine, you can keep it. Good luck trying to sell that property for anything close to that value once that big facility goes up and changes the residential nature of that area. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we'll talk about food prices in just a minute. But I, I only have a brief show tomorrow. We've got a couple interviews scheduled. There's a story, Journal Sentinel has just posted this. And I, I'm curious as to your initial reaction because I, I have one. The headline is Milwaukee journalist arrested after photographing squad cars at police lot. Okay. A Milwaukee journalist working on a story about police response times was arrested over the weekend after taking photographs of squad cars in a Milwaukee Police Department parking lot. Edgar Mendez, a reporter with the Milwaukee Neighborhood News Service, issued was issued a $181 ticket for trespassing, but only after being handcuffed, fingerprinted, and questioned at the police station at 245 West Lincoln Avenue. A police department spokesman said Wednesday that no trespassing signs were clearly marked, that Mendez had no press credentials on him when he was pulled over after leaving the lot. His editor, her, his editor, she says that the treatment appeared excessive. It was unnecessary for him to be taken in. Mendez said he encountered two officers in the lot. Um, neither of whom mentioned the no trespassing signs. Police confirmed the account. He said he had photographed squad cars at District 5 on the east side earlier in the day with no problem. An easy and quick Google search would have confirmed that I am a reporter. Mendez said he was asked what his story was about, and he declined to discuss it, but urged them to call the police spokesperson. Okay, so the way I understand it, this is what happened. Here you have a guy that goes into a police lot, where they've got squad cars parked, where they've got part, and I, I don't know if it's squad cars, I don't know if there's undercover cars or whatever, and he's wandering around, there's no trespassing signs all over the place. He apparently is taking photographs of the various police cars. So he doesn't have permission to be there, he's trespassing, he's taking photographs of the various police cars. As he is leaving the lot, he is stopped. He identifies himself as a journalist. He doesn't have any credentials on him. And then he gets arrested, handcuffed, taken in, and and questioned, and detained for a while, and then let go. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's, I I just, you know, the police say that they're going to be having a comment on this, but I'm curious as to what your initial reaction is. Is you have somebody that is trespassing in a police department lot that's taking pictures apparently of the cars that are there, including their license plates. That when he is stopped after he's leaving, he claims to be a journalist who was trespassing and he doesn't have any ID on him proving that he's a journalist. And so then people are surprised that he is. Detained. He's arrested, he's handcuffed, he's taken down. Ultimately, he wasn't booked. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this comes from somebody who works for a media company. But I, I, my initial reaction my initial reaction is, cry me a river. Okay, you mean to tell me that you have somebody who illegally enters a place, no trespassing signs, you go into a police lot, you are taking photographs of cars, 
potentially, again, I don't know if they have undercover cars or unmarked cars there or whatever, you're taking photographs, you're there where you're not supposed to be, you are trespassing, then you leave, then when you're pulled over, you identify yourself as a journalist, but you don't have any credentials. How do you not have credentials? I mean, I've got a card that identifies myself as an employee. It's in my wallet. I've got a card that identifies myself as an employee of WTMJ. Now, I don't think that that gives me a justification to go trespass in a police lot, but but at least I've got some identification. So if I said, hey, I'm Jeff Wagner with WTMJ, and they said, could you prove it? I'm at least willing to, I'm able to show them. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, this is the first time I've seen the story, but I'm giving you my initial reaction to it. You, you know, I, just because you work for a newspaper or a TV station or a radio station doesn't give you a right to trespass in places. And the idea that, well, I'm a journalist, well, okay, if you're going to use that as an offense, you darn sure better be able to prove that that's who you are. 414-799-1620. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. I have no problem with what, what the cops did whatsoever. Um, in this day and age, who knows if he was casing it, you know, if he was trying to identify police officers so people can commit crimes, you know, what the heck he was doing, and no verification whatsoever, so what are the police supposed to do, take him on his word? You know, you can take anybody on their word, doesn't mean it's going to be true, so they have to, you know, prove and verify that this guy was... Well, right, I mean, they're trying, yes, you know, that's, I mean, look, I'm putting myself in the police office in this situation. Okay, you have somebody who is where they are not supposed to be. They are trespassing on a police department lot. They are taking pictures of various police cars. Um, so they're already somewhere where they're not supposed to be. Presumably they know they're not supposed to be there. And when they're leaving, they say, well, I'm a journalist. Well, do you have any – and again, I don't know that that gets you out of it. I, I'm not – that to me, that doesn't get you out of it. But you say, I'm a journalist, and they say, well, do you have any identification? And he doesn't have any identification. Well, uh, to prove that, you know, he's, he's a journalist to the extent that makes any difference. I, you're surprised that you're going to be detained? Not me. Four one. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, I'm playing my air violin for this journalist for three, <laughs> for three reasons. One is that that's not a public place. He can't be, be just taking photographs um, at his own right. will. And then um, also, if a cop tells you as a journalist to do something, you, you need to do it. And then the third is is what's been already been said. Well, right. Yeah, thanks for calling. I mean, I'm trying. Look, I, I mean, I understand that you go to places, right? And you're working on stories or whatever. At first, I thought the story was going to be the guy got arrested because he was taking pictures of squad cars out on the street or something like that. No, that that's not. He was, at least according to the, the story, this is a guy who, um, again, you know, you know, was in a lot that he was not supposed to be. No trespassing signs, clearly marked. He has no press credentials. On them. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you. I mean, when I, I mean, look, I, I go down. I, you know, you go down to the courthouse, or you go to police lots, or you go to, you know, whatever you're going to do. The first thing you do is you call people and you tell them you're coming. I and mean, if you want special access, if you want to be able to say, look, I'm going to go into this police lot. I want to take these pictures. You, you call, you call people, and you set up an appointment, and you're escorted. You don't just decide I'm going to enter into these areas, especially areas where there is a degree of sensitivity about it, and then just do what you want. And then once you're confronted about it. Well, I'm a journalist. Well, okay, you have any 
credentials? No, I don't. I mean, I, look, I, do I think the guy should be charged with a crime? Eh, I, I think this trespassing citation is fine. Do I have an issue with him being detained and questioned until they can determine that he really is, you know, who he says he is and what he's trying to do? I, I don't. I mean, because for all you know, like I say, this is a guy who's affiliated with one of the major drug rings that are operating, and they're trying to get license plates and descriptions of cars or whatever. I don't know. I, I, and obviously, that wasn't what his intention was, but that's why when you try to just pull this type of stuff without getting permission, without getting any sort of knowledge, well, it's going to raise questions. I think the police had every right to say, all right, we're going to try to figure out what is going on here. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, my thoughts oh, are that this guy should not have been there at all, and he should be arrested, really. Uh, he has no business being there without any credentials, and uh, my thoughts are, my two thoughts are, like, why are you there? Right. I mean, thanks for call, Mike. Again, you just want to, it's... Whether he's a journalist or not doesn't matter. You know, if you're going to trespass, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. Okay, so over over the weekend, you know, we came through the airport, right? We we flew from Cleveland, we flew from Milwaukee to Cleveland, went to the Hall of Fame in Canton, and came back. All right. Um, if I decided I was going to want, I want to do a story on what what's behind those doors, those TSA doors. Yeah, I, I'm curious. You know, you see the TSA people coming out. I'm I'm curious as to what's there. So if I sneak into those doors and they say, you know, no admittance unless you're a TSA employee, I sneak in there and I start taking pictures. I guarantee you that when they catch me, you know, they're they're going to arrest me and they're going to ask questions. And if I can go and say, well, I work for WTMJ Radio. I do this talk show and I'm curious as to what's going on here and I want to check these things out. Well, okay, that's not going to cut it. First of all, I better darn well have some credentials. But secondly, even if I got credentials, they're going to hold me till they determine that I am who I say I am because I'm somewhere where I'm not supposed to be. Now, I guess that some people might play this up like, again, this war on journalists that's going on. But at least based on the story thus far, I... I have no sympathy for the guy. My advice would be in the future, don't trespass, carry your credentials, do things the right way, and then you won't find yourself detained by the police, period. 246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 249, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. This is It's an interesting development that could potentially affect everybody. Kroger is one of the big players in food and in grocery, the grocery business nationwide. And Kroger, you might not be familiar, they just have Kroger stores here a number of years ago. Um, Kroger, Kroger owns Pick and Save, they own Metro Market, and they own the cop stores in Wisconsin. So th- those stores all, you know, operate under the, the flagship of, of Kroger. Kroger also owns a number of brands um, across the country as well. You, you might remember we talked about Kroger last week because what they've done, they're in sort of a little battle with it's, it's is it Visa or MasterCard? Forget which one. Um, off the top of my head, but they're they're saying that they're being overcharged, or they're having to pay too much um, of a percentage off the top for people who use the particular credit card. So they're the one that are saying, you know, we're, we're they're experimenting with just not taking some of these credit cards. And the question is, is that going to hurt business or not? But but here's what Kroger is doing, and the Journal Sentinel has this story. Um, 
Kroger is announcing that they are cutting prices on thousands of items at all their pick and save, their Metro Market, and their cop stores in Wisconsin. You know, their, their statement is we're making a major investment in lower prices around the state, and they're already talking about you know lowering you know lowering prices. They're not saying how many items have lowered the cost, but they say the changes include staple items like eggs, milk, head lettuce, bananas, white and wheat bread, etc. For a price. Uh, Journal Sentinel says the price for a gallon of 1% Roundy Select brand milk at a store in Germantown, for example, was listed at $1.79, down from $1.99 in recent weeks. So the question of all this becomes, when it comes to shopping, is this, I guess, a response to deal with, um, I don't know, the Walmarts and the Costcos of the world and the Myers of the world on, on a competitive basis? Will this... I don't know, attract some of those shoppers over to the pick and saves and, and over to the metro markets. Is this an effort to go to war with like the Sendex of the world, for example, and say, okay, well, we're, you know, we're offering perhaps a comparable form of quality, but we're going to sell milk for less and all like that. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I am legitimately curious as to whether or not price is the, divide, the the driving factor in people who shop, say, at a metro market or people who shop at a Sendex, or whether it's this perception that the, the quality of the food is, is better, I'm getting a higher quality produce, I'm getting a higher quality meat, whatever, and so I'm willing to pay a little bit more. I, I, and I don't know. That's going to all have to play out. My guess is, in the short run, if they're able to publicize this and if they're able to get enough attention for it, in the short run, I think you're definitely going to see a boost in business. People are going to be willing to check it out. Then the question ultimately is going to be, all right, am I really getting a value? Because if you don't like the food you're getting as well, even if you're saving 20 cents on a gallon of milk, if you don't like that milk as well as the milk that you were getting before, well, it's not going to make any difference. You know, you're going to go back to the other store. But it's definitely a shot across the bow, I think, of a lot of comparable grocery stores and might even be an effort to play with some of the grocery stores who are marketing themselves as, as a low-cost leader, period. In any event, bottom line is the consumers are the one that benefits, and that's good. All right, it is 2.53. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, find out what Melissa Barkley and John McCure have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around. It's 253 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.